people with Jesus. So, all right. So um, this last week, Jess and I, we, we took in the, the live interview, that, that clip that I showed last week, that little one-minute clip from Pastor X and Jenny Allen. Uh, they had that webinar thing on Zoom this week, and so we took part in that in two, on Tuesday evening, and just incredibly challenging and convicting uh, to watch that. Um, and, and so he was speaking, uh, Pastor X, about this move of God taking place in the Middle East, which is in that film, the documentary you can find online, Sheep Among Wolves, uh, which that's done by Frontier Alliance International, Dalton, who I met on a plane years ago. So it's just it's neat how God has been using uh, FAI. And just incredible stories of how God is moving in the Middle East. And so they, they spoke as well. He was speaking about how they through the process of what they've been sharing in the Middle East, they realized that they had been going about it all wrong to begin with. He said, you know, we really, we started trying to make converts. And he said, then we realized we actually needed to make disciples. And so now they see discipleship as a process that from the moment they encounter someone on the street, from the moment that they're engaging someone, that that they, they've got a system or, or a process, if you will, of how they start to right then and there engage them into discipleship uh, to Jesus. And so Jenny Allen asked him, she said, so what's the difference between a convert and a disciple? And he said, a convert knows Jesus as Savior. A disciple first knows that Jesus is King and then Savior. When you know he's king and he's the only one who's leading you, you're willing to die for him because you trust him even in the worst situation. Now remember, this is not someone just like, you know, idly speaking these words. This is someone who is facing imminent death and persecution all the time in the Middle East. And, and many of these people, they're all facing that. And so Jenny Allen, she asked him, she said, like, what led you to, to this place? And, and he said, simple obedience to Jesus. He said, simple obedience can change the trajectory of your life. Now, in sharing all this, they have over a million people in the Middle East that they are discipling through their network. A million Muslims have come to Jesus. And it's growing. Like there is a move of God happening in the Middle East. You're not going to hear about it on CNN. You're not going to hear about it on news channels. But it's happening. So this is the second part of this message, as Carlin mentioned, sharing the life-changing hope of Jesus. And, and this, uh, these messages, they come from a, a, a place of a desire for intentional focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Like what are the implications in light of the claim of the resurrection. And I know I might be banging that drum a lot, and I want to keep banging that drum, because what are the implications of the resurrection of Jesus in your life and for your life? It is absolutely foundational for us. And I think that in the days to come, this issue is going to be one of the, the ground zero of Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe it. He is king over my life, and I will do whatever and go wherever he calls me. And it doesn't matter. Like, I am sold out to Jesus. So, 
that's where this, these messages kind of came from. And we've been looking at how did his disciples, his early followers, how did they respond to this realization that like Jesus rose from the dead? He didn't stay in the tomb. And this whole thing, like, he's actually who he claimed to be. Like, whoa, okay, where does this go now? And so we see this radical commitment to the body of Christ, to discipleship, to reaching the world around them. And so we've been using the, the early part of the book of Acts, sort of the accounts that we see there in the early part of Acts, these specific situations that, that we have recorded and how followers of Jesus responded to them. Like what marked the way of life for followers of Jesus. And so last week we looked at this. We talked about making disciples of Jesus, being missional people, making the hope and message of Jesus central to how we live and connect with others. And so we looked at the first three necessities of this from last week. We looked at engaging opportunity and being ready to share proclaiming with clarity the simplicity of the gospel and embracing and relying on the power of prayer. So really, all that is is really simple. It's engage people, proclaim Jesus, embrace prayer. Those three things, that's sort of base level for sharing Jesus. Right there, just want to engage people. We want to just share Jesus and boy, do we need prayer for this. And, and so you go, well, that seems kind of rather simple. Yeah, it is actually. But therein lies the challenge for us. Will we live like this? Will the church actually live like this? Or will we choose to ignore, disengage, live pseudo-Christian lives around Western norms and values? Do we care to be missional? Do we really care? Do we actually desire to live and to share Jesus? And, and I believe that the interview that Pastor X had there with Jenny Allen once again really highlighted that the world is rapidly changing. The West is changing rapidly. The cost of following Jesus is rapidly changing. And that doesn't have to be scary. That can actually be really, really good for us going, we're getting to what we need in faith. Lives surrendered to Jesus as functional Lord of our lives. He's actually Lord of our lives. Lives captivated by the gospel. Lives compelled to share the gospel. Jesus above all. And, and this is my conviction. Things are not going back to the same way pre-COVID, folks. They're never going back. Like ever going back. And they're not meant to go back. God doesn't want things to go back the way they were. I don't believe the church should want things to go back the way they were pre-COVID. You know why? We weren't reaching or impacting people with the gospel in our culture. I, I really believe that God has allowed this to happen to go, church, look at what's happening, wake up. I'm increasingly, I believe that, I'm convicted by that, and I'm going to preach that. The church must, must pivot if we want to reach people with the hope of Jesus. And what I mean by the church is us. This is not me. This is not a leadership team. This is not an eldership. This is the church pivoting, going, we want to reach our culture. 
So this morning, I want to talk about the other three necessities for sharing the hope of Jesus. And turn to Acts 4, verse 32 to 34. We're going to read just a few verses here to start. Verse 32, it'll be on the screen behind me too. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. It's actually, sorry, only two verses, not three verses, two verses. Okay, so the fourth necessity that we see here in sharing the hope of Jesus is pursue the fellowship and support of like-minded believers. So, this is about balance, right? Because the early church was engaging people as they went about their lives, as they worked, as they went to the temple, as they just were, this was their normal lives. This is how they were just living their lives out in the culture. And discipleship to Jesus was permeating their lives and it was touching others. Acts 5.14, it says, More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That, that's, so that was what was happening. They were going out, they were sharing, and more and more were being added. So I, I, was, I was pondering and I, I was praying throughout this past week after last Sunday, just around this whole discussion about living and sharing our faith. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm gripped with this. And, and, and one of the things that I, I felt I needed to maybe clarify or share is that this is not about evangelistic campaigns and projects. There may be time for those. I'm not saying that. But this is about living Jesus and sharing him in the midst of our lives. It's just about cultivating this in our lives. Always praying. Always looking for opportunities. Becoming very missional in nature. And that's intentional. That is very intentional in life. Living authentic lives for Jesus where nothing is outside of our apprenticeship to Jesus. Nothing. So backyard get-togethers, fires, barbecues, interactions on the street, workplace conversations, none of it, not one iota of it is separate from our apprenticeship to Jesus. It's all there. All done with discipleship to Jesus as the goal of our lives. And so this is where to make this, what we're talking about, all about gathering once a week, like faith simply being about our presence at church on a Sunday, is really, really missing what Jesus wants to do in us and through us and the purpose of the church body in our lives. We need both, though. We need balance. I'm not saying that we don't. We, this is, we need the support and the fellowship of like-minded believers. Because that is meant, along with discipleship, is meant to mark the body of Christ. This is joining hearts and minds. They were all, they were, but they, they were, their hearts and their minds were joined together. They were one. It's an incredible, that, that is an incredible gift and strength in helping us stay connected and committed to Jesus. Being equipped or discipled to the way of Jesus. Forging relationships with people that push us to Jesus and surrendering to his lordship. 
experiencing the love and the support of others that are your spiritual brothers and sisters. This is the gift of the local church. This is not consumer Christianity. Buffet-style Christianity where you go along the line, oh, I really like this, mm, that's good. No, I don't like that. Oh, that's terrible. This is not, that's not what this is. This is not buffet-style pick-and-choose. This is about growing alongside others with the intent and desire to encourage and support one another to relationship with Jesus. Pastor X, he said this in that interview, he said, the biggest heresy that's happening in the Western church is faking good. Everyone comes to church with a smile, all happy. He said, but churches are supposed to be where the hurting are. They're like an ICU. We hear a lot about ICUs in these days. Think about that. That church is meant to be like that. That, that is a night and day difference from approaching church like we would other things in our culture. It is night and day difference. If you want to live missionally, you need the fellowship and support that comes from the body. You absolutely need that if you're going to be missional. You need, you need to be able to be real, authentic, vulnerable, humble with other people and to have support. Now herein lies the problem. This is really a problem that we encounter in ourselves that is permeating in us and it's been instilled in us from our culture, from the time that we've been children, probably for most of us. And that is this whole spirit, this whole focus obsession with individualism, which it's all about what suits me, when it suits me, how it suits me, it's all about me. That is a real problem with apprenticeship to Jesus and support and fellowship and connection to the church. You can see how that might be really problematic to sacrificial community in the church. So like, what marked this devotion that these followers had in the early church? Like this being of one heart and one mind. What marked that? Well, we see that earlier in Acts. Devotion to the apostles' teaching. So being equipped, shaped by a biblical worldview. That's what was shaping them. Devotion to fellowship and being with one another. They were eating together. They were hanging out. This was part of what, what was part of what really defined them. Devotion to prayer is the other thing we see. A culture of seeking God together. That's what it means to have a culture of prayer. Pastor X, he came back in that interview several times to hearing God's voice being led by the Spirit, that they are constantly, constantly having to be led by the Spirit all the time. He says, like, right on our doorstep, if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, if we're not being guided by Jesus, he said, imprisonment and execution awaits us. We have to hear what the Lord is saying. It's, absolutely, it's a necessity to live missionally here as well. What to do, what not to do. It's not, and th okay, this is not about extra revelation. This is about relationship. This is about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so this is where, again, just as a, as a tool, our Hearing God course that we're going to run again this year is such an incredible gift to help us put those foundations in us. How do you hear God? Practicing hearing God in your life. Developing a rhythm of how you hear from God. 
It's incredible. For two years before Jess and I, um, before we came to LCF, for the two years before that, so like a little over 10 years ago now already, man, um, Jess and I, we ran a youth cell in our house on Friday nights for mainly grade 11 and grade 12 high school students as part of our youth group, and it ran most Friday nights. And, you know, we were just invested in these kids, probably 10 to 15 of them in our house all the time. Jess would even take the girls grocery shopping with her just to connect with them. Like, like we were just, we were invested in these kids. And, and we had two young kids at the time. Samuel and Michaela were really young. I had a really busy job full time that I was working. We had to give up a lot of our social life on weekends with our friends. You know, we were in our early 30s and we just had to give that up because we were pouring into these kids. And you know, I was thinking about that this week. I miss those times. And I would never give them up. I would never, ever trade them, ever. Because I saw kids grow in their love for Jesus. I saw kids who were being, there was a fire being lit in them to, for the ways of Jesus. And I, and I kind of wrestled with this because some of those kids, they're not following the Lord anymore. And I'm like, I, you know, I had, we had to pivot. We weren't speaking into their lives as much anymore because we were here now. And I'm like, man... But that was all about creating opportunities to reach kids. There was kids on the fringe who were coming to our house. And it was about, they were, they were welcomed in, and we talked about Jesus a lot. And we were intentional in sharing Jesus. And so this is where, you know, making this all about restrictions, where we're in right now. Like what we can, what we can't do. What we're being asked to comply with in regards to church gatherings getting all up in arms about that. Guys, it's just so misguided and distracting. It, it really is. That, that, that will get us distracted into things that will take us away from what the Lord wants to do. Now, I'm not saying that this, what we're doing, isn't important. It is. But equally important in these days right now is reaching people with the hope of Jesus. Out there. All right, fifth necessity in sharing the hope of Jesus. Continue to testify of Jesus, regardless of response. So verse 33, we see it there. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. I, I put regardless of response there in brackets, because that's what we see throughout these accounts in the early church. Here, their, their testimony to the resurrection, and note, it says that, that, that is very specific in Acts. They were testifying to the resurrection. Their testifying to the resurrection wasn't dependent on response. They weren't doing it all the time because there, there was lots of good things happening. There was also lots of hard things happening in the early church. Lots of hard stuff. It was not all sunshine and roses. They continued to testify. Their testimony to Jesus was a result of their devotion to him and their passion to see others come into a relationship with him. And this is where the intentional long view is really necessary. Like, this isn't about getting stirred up by last week's sermon, this week's sermon, like getting stirred up and let's have a two-week campaign where we're just going to pray and we're going to hit people hard and like, man, we're going to share Jesus and then... And then we're just going to kind of settle into 
you know, status quo. That's not what this is. Certainly, there's, there's room for that. There's room for opportunities like that. But I, I don't, you know, it's not just about like somehow for two weeks putting on like evangelistic goggles and having different goggles on and going around and oh, for two weeks, I'm like, I'm really wide-eyed. I'm looking for opportunities. And then, you know, and then we move on to something else and we kind of just, we kind of forget about it. Kind of hear what I'm saying in that? Like, this is not that. This is about li- our lives being transformed and renewed by the reality of the living Lord Jesus and living that and sharing that as we go about our lives. The Jesus Christ is risen. He's living. He's Lord of my life. And I'm living that with people. So I'm not saying that there isn't room for campaigns and certain outreaches. Absolutely there is. But this is about lives that reveal Jesus to others. And, and please don't misunderstand me. This is not just about living with upstanding morals and ethics. This isn't just about being friendly to people. This isn't about saying, hey, neighbor, hi. I'm not, those are all good and necessary things, yes. This is about living with intention and desire to speak about Jesus and invite people to know Jesus. Developing relationships with the intent to share Jesus. Yes. I'm not saying that people are projects or goals. I'm not saying this is about us being sneaky with people and trying to have ulterior motives. None of that. But But they're like, well, maybe you have an ulterior motive. Yeah, I do, actually. I want you to know Jesus. That is my ulterior motive. I really do want people to know Jesus. It takes effort. Right? This takes effort. It leaves us feeling vulnerable. I would just say to that, yeah, it does. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. And it's fueled by prayer. It is absolutely fueled by prayer. I, I, yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about that this week. Um, I, I need to pray for others around me, and I need to pray that God would continue to stir boldness in me. I'm praying that every day, as I'm getting ready, Lord, you got to stir boldness in me. I need boldness. Like I, 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 in myself, I'm actually not very bold in this. I'm not. In myself, I'm probably really weak. I really need the Holy Spirit to empower me. And I, I okay, I understand in this too. Like, this is, you're like, well, Paul, like, this is kind of practically kind of hard right now in COVID. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's challenges. There is. But there's loads of opportunities still loads. And how are we preparing ourselves to come out of this is the other thing I would ask. Right now, how are we stirring ourselves and praying and seeking the Lord? How can we minister and share Jesus with others? And again, remember, I said this last week, we all have spheres of influence. All of you have spheres of influence that you have that I don't have. I'm not going to be interacting with that guy that Larry interacted with on Monday. I don't even know who that is. Don't know. Tons of that, right? We all, there's people I'm engaged with. I engaged with a guy yesterday and I'm going to see him again this week and I'm, I'm praying that the Lord's going to open a door. I kind of started to open that door a little bit yesterday and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm looking for an opportunity this coming week. None of you, I know, none of you are going to hit that guy. So now it's like, kind of like, Paul, you need, to, you, need to, you need to minister to him. 
Now, you might be thinking, and I think this is really real too, yeah, yeah, Paul, but you don't know how exhausted I feel right now. You don't know how overworked I am, how stressed out I am, how anxious I am. To be honest, Paul, I struggle with complacency. I struggle with apathy. I don't really tell people that. I don't even want to admit that much to myself. Yeah. That's all real. I'm not going to offer you some flippant self-help response. Like, I'm not going to do that. That There is more trauma and fatigue right now in our culture and all around us than we realize. And we are all feeling it. I feel it. Lots of us feel it. And it's good to be real about this. It's good. You know, Jen and I, we've been talking about, like, how do we have lament as part of what we do here together? Lament is biblical. Really biblical. And so I would, I'm not going to offer a flippant, flippant response. I'll say this. We need to stay close to Jesus. We need to engage in life-giving spiritual habits that will help us slow down, help us assess, help us to hear Jesus and heal. We really need that. Prayer, time in the word, silence and solitude, rest. We are sunk if we do not have the filling of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing filling. We are really sunk. Thank the Lord, it's always available. When we read in Acts, you know, in here, it wasn't easy for the early church, right? Like, be careful when you read Acts that you don't over-spiritualize this. This this was real life. These were events that were happening that were hard. This was real life without smartphones and without Wi-Fi. Think about that. In the midst of what we're experiencing these days, all of the stuff that's going on, we can stay close to Jesus and continue to testify to him out of that. Real life. It's hard. Jesus is faithful. So I read read this week, actually, about a great way that we can, just a simple way that we can bless and engage people. I was really struck by this. Maybe you will be too. There was this, I was reading this account of this guy who, he went to a Starbucks all the time. And as he was, as he was engaging with his barista, he realized the Lord spoke to him and said, why don't you ask whoever's serving you, say, how can I pray for God to bless you? That's it. And so he did that. He said, he stopped her and said, hey, how can I pray for God to bless you. You think that question to a person won't blow them away? I think that'll blow people away. Well, that's exactly what happened. This, this started, like he was blown away by the opportunities he had out of that question with people and what people were sharing with him and how he got to pray into people's lives. So he was pumped up about this. He shared it with his home group and they all were like, they were captivated by the stories and they said, We're going to all start doing this. And they realized that they hit a bunch of Starbucks in their area. And so they started doing this. A few weeks later, like three weeks later, he said he was in another Starbucks that he never normally goes to. Did it again. And as he's doing this, the barista stops, pulls the coffee cup back from him and says, Oh, wait, are you one of those blessing people? (laughs) Like, how great is that? That's, That's simple. 
Like simple. That takes nothing. I don't, I, that actually doesn't even make me feel vulnerable, to be honest. Like that, I, I think actually I can do pretty easily going into a Starbucks. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing it the next time. You can ask me. I'm doing it the next time I go into Starbucks in person. There are opportunities all around us, folks. If we're looking with intention and desire to live Jesus with others, there are opportunities. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you ideas. One, one of the reasons that the early church, I believe, why they continue to testify like this, they believed Jesus, not believed in Jesus. Do you see the difference? They believed Jesus. Comes from relationship. All right, I've got to move on here. We're, yeah. Um, okay, so there's a bunch of other stuff that happened we're not going to get into. Um, Ananias and Sapphira happens. That's really bad. There was lots of miraculous signs and healings, like to the point where people just wanted Peter's shadow to fall on them. Think about that. That's wild. They, they were led, it led the religious leaders to throw them in jail. They were in jail until an angel of the Lord broke them out and said, I want you to go and tomorrow testify in the temple courts to Jesus. Whoa. So guess what? They're obedient. They do it. And crazy awesome stuff is happening. And so once again, this happens, and the, relig the religious leaders are furious. They're like, how did you get out of jail? What, what in the world, right? They're like, we put you in jail. And uh, Gamil, he was one of the Sadducees. He, he encouraged him. He said, he said, persuaded him. He said, don't, don't put these guys in jail. Just, just let them be. If this thing is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. If it's not, don't worry. It's going to flame out. So just let it go. They, and then it says there, they only had them whipped. They only had them whipped, folks. They were whipped. That's not pleasant. So, not sure. Any of you had that where you've gone yet to the wall and been whipped for Jesus? This is what it says then in Acts 5, verse 41, 42. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Sixth and last necessity I want to just quickly touch on here. I'll, I'll try to make this brief. Rejoice in the privilege of proclaiming Jesus. We have the best news in the world. Period. This is the best news. Everyone in this world needs to hear this news. Everyone. We have the message of hope for healing, for transformation, for wholeness, for eternal freedom, for life everlasting, for life to the full in this earth. We have the privilege of knowing the author of life who has set us free from sin and death. You know him. We know the one whose name is above all names. We know him. One of the things that struck me with Pastor X, speaking about hearing Jesus and walking close with him, he said, when you have a gun against your head, when you are about to be arrested and you know what awaits you in the prisons, he said, you need to know him. You need to know him. He said, 
It's this, he said, how much do we believe the resurrection? He said, we're not afraid of death. He said, we are not afraid of death because it is the gateway to life, the door to life. So he says, we're just not afraid of it because it does, it's not the end. That, that is not some cute Christian saying. That is not some metaphor that I'm throwing out. That is probably the most impacting question, folks, that when it comes to faithfulness to Jesus and proclaiming his name. If we aren't willing to share Jesus now, what would possibly lead us to think that when persecution arises and suffering comes, real suffering, that we're going to share Jesus what would make us think that if we're not doing it now? We have to have faithfulness to Jesus and proclaiming his name. And we need to wrestle with that question. And we need to settle that question. We don't just need to wrestle with it. We need to settle that question. And the settling is, Jesus is Lord and I'm going to the wall for him. The apostles were full of joy, it says, because they had been able to suffer disgrace for the name. Like, like, whoa, whoa. Because it really was all about Jesus. They would not stop sharing the hope of Jesus. You know what, I've got some other stuff, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it. I wanted to talk a little bit, but it's too long. Um, you can actually go, you know, this is actually good. You can go back because I was going to reference a message I spoke two years ago in May 2019 and I preached there on practical tools to share the gospel. And I just wanted to quickly hit on a, on a little thing that I talked about there about how we can share the gospel in a really uh, easy uh, way with people and how we can internalize this. And so um, talking all about, yeah, I won't, uh, actually, can you bring that up, Russ, just yeah, so it's the, you might remember this from two years ago. It was almost two years ago to the day, actually, that I did this. I did, I did two messages. It was a part one and a part two, too, as well, interestingly. Um, didn't plan that. And so I won't talk about this, but if you want to go back, this is just, it, it flushes out how we can grow in sharing Jesus with people and internalize this in our lives. And so I'll, I'll end with this. I'll end instead with application for us this morning. And I got three sort of ways that we can apply all this. And again, because this isn't about a one or two week blitz. This is about a heart of, of having a, a heart, a missional heart for people. Number one, keep praying for boldness in your life. Like intentional and constant prayer before the Lord. Just keep praying. You'll be, I believe that we'll be amazed by what God will do. By that, just that, just praying. Two, Get close to Jesus. Keep pursuing Jesus. Passion for Jesus comes out of relationship with him. There's no substitute. Passion for Jesus will flow from your time with Jesus. You will, you will not be able to help stop yourself from sharing with people. Eugene Peterson talks about it in this way. He talks about a long obedience in the same direction. I think that's a great way to put it. Just a long obedience Stay close to Jesus. Stay close. Stay close. Third, ask the Lord and consider right now who he would have you start praying for to open up opportunities to share Jesus with them. 
I believe that God wants to give every single one of us, every single one of us, someone that we can start praying to open up doors that God would give us opportunity to share with them. Might be your neighbor, might be your coworker, whatever. Might be someone else around that you connect with. Start asking, God, God, who is that? Show me, show me. And then boldness. All right, Jen, why don't you come up and we're going to pray. God, the truth is that I feel really, really incapable of this. Lord, I just, even as I, we're ending here, Lord, I, I really myself, I feel, Lord, like I, I am not capable of this in myself. And the truth is I'm not. Lord, I, I believe too that we need to repent where this has not gripped us in our lives. Lord, where we have not cared about others around us and the fate of their souls and what's happening in their lives. And God, I'm praying that you would grip us afresh. I'm praying that you would do something anew. I pray, Lord, that as this world, our culture is changing, Lord, that we would pivot as well, Lord, to be just a missional people. Lord, that you would, you would just open up opportunities for us to share and love with people and to care for them, to show them the Father, to reveal Jesus through us to them. Holy Spirit, would you be at work in us? Lord, where we feel so inadequate, where we feel so like, I don't know, I can't do this. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on us? Would you empower us? Would you fill us with your Spirit? God, I pray that you'd grip our hearts for people. I, I pray that, God. I pray that you'd grip our hearts for people. Lord, that we would love them with the love of the Father. Pray this, Jesus, in your incredible, mighty, powerful name, the name above all names. Jesus, the one we worship, the one that we love, the one that's coming back again. Jesus, would you do it? Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this on earth as it is in heaven.